Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Our very special guest today is Bobby Goldsboro. Bobby Goldsboro's had you know all kinds of hits, uh, especially back in the uh, back in the seventies. Honey, people will remember, but not just Honey's had a lot of a lot of success. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing great. Now you're one of those people, and and I was just talking to Rex Smith, you know, not too long ago. And I, I think you could take the Bobby Goldsboro's, the 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 Fabians, you know, put the you know the Beatles and Elvis. You could take all the people that were teen idols, and I mean truly teen idols, and you could fit them in a in, in a pretty small place because there hasn't been a lot of you that that got to that point. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? Well, uh, it's nice to be bunched with those guys. I'm uh, I'm flattered. <laughs> I. Uh... I've I've been very fortunate my whole career. I've uh, I think I was always in the right place at the right time. I started out with Roy Orbison playing guitar for him, and that that was kind of a fluke. Our band, I was up at Auburn University up in Alabama, and uh, we were hired to back up Orbison for four nights, and uh, not because we were so good, we were the only band around. Yeah, <laughs> so right. that's how I got with him, and I've, it's been that way my whole career, just being in the right place at the right time. Now, how long did you spend with Orbison? I was with Roy for over three years, and I got to tour with the Beatles over in England with him, and uh, I got to, you know, tour all over the all over the world. I went with him, and uh, so it was a great place for me to start and uh, getting getting in front of all those people uh, for for three years. It got me used to it and uh, got me accustomed to it. So I, I mean, Roy probably did more for me than anybody. What was it like playing? And I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times. And let me get through the whole question though. What was it like playing with the Beatles? For first of all, for you, and and second of all, for for Orbison, who was the leader of the group. Well, when we first went over, when the, when the tour was first booked in England, uh, Roy was going to headline because he had never played England, and he was second only to Presley in record sales at the time over there. And uh, so he was going to headline the tour, and they had this new group called the Beatles that had been booked on the tour. And by the time we got ready for the tour, six months later, the Beatles overnight had become the biggest thing in the world. So. They ended up, Roy closed the first half of the show, and the Beatles would close the second half. And that was just just constant pandemonium. You couldn't hear anything from the time you got there till the time you left. But uh, as big as the Beatles were, Orbison would do two and three encores every night before the Beatles came out. So that just shows you how big Orbison was. So it was a it was an incredible tour. It was, at the time, it was the most successful tour in, in history over there. Yeah, and so real... Strange moment in history. I mean, I don't know if strange is the right uh, adjective, but uh, it certainly uh, it was a, it was a unique moment in history. Uh, you you were watching the world change right before your eyes. That's did, true. Did you realize, or did you just think, you know, this is just a fad? This is not going to well, last. Well, I knew these guys were good, and they were they were great guys. I, we toured. I mean, we were together for two weeks on a bus together, so I got to know them pretty well, and uh, they they were just. Really good guys and really good musicians, and they were had they had a unique style, and uh, um, that's why they just were instant hits. And when they came over to do their first tour, uh, months and months later, uh, they they closed the tour up in New York at the Paramount Theater, and the promoter asked them who they'd like to have on the show with them to cl- for their final United States show, and they asked for they had Ed Sullivan inter- introduce them, they had uh, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. They had the Brothers Four. They were big fans of theirs, and they picked me to be on the show because I'd worked with them in England. So I, I got to do their final American show, uh, U.S. tour show, uh, and so it was a. That just shows you what kind of guys they were. They were great guys. Yeah, and you spent time on on a bus with them. I mean, you you guys didn't have separate buses. No, they were. We were all together. Uh, 
the, only, the funny thing was the promoters thought that Roy would want to be in a limo, and <laughs> they didn't know Roy. Roy would have rather been on the bus with us, but they had Roy in a limo back there with the two promoters following the bus, and I was on the bus with the Beatles, and it was Jerry and the Pacemakers and the band that was backing everybody, and uh, so we just had a ball for two weeks every day traveling on the bus together, telling stories and acting crazy and just having a big time. Now, you were you were single at the time, I assume. Yeah. Now, when I say single, I mean, there was no steady girlfriend there. There was just, you, you were free to... I was over there by myself and, uh, and, and Roy, with Roy, and uh, we were just, just having a big time, and I was just seeing the world and... Uh, and learning from from Orbison and learning from from the Beatles and guys like that, you know. So it was a a great uh, starting point for me. Bobby Goldsboro is our very special guest, and and he's had he's had some storybook career. I mean, can you imagine? You're Arkansas, right? Arkansas, Alabama. What did you say? Alabama. Well, I started. Yeah, I started out in, in Alabama. Alabama, and uh, and and you you're there, and you uh, in a fluky way back up. Roy Orbison, and you just end up spending three years, and in those three years, you you hit the Beatles and and uh, the British invasion all at once. I mean, I, you you can't write it. You can't you, you can't figure you can. it. Out. I was just it was a special it was a special time, and uh, even radio back then was that's uh, something like we'll never see again because they at the top forty they played everything. I remember once, uh, and I was. You know, I'd always watch the charts when I when my records had come out after I'd left Orbison and I was having my own career and I'd look at the charts regularly and and you'd see in the in the top ten you'd see it'd be uh, the Beatles there would be uh, uh, Aretha Franklin and Andy Williams and Lawrence Welk they would all be in the top ten they played everything and that was a, that was a great time for 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 radio and now everything is uh, just segmented and uh, you know you got you got only country and only pop and only R and B and only Hip hop, and so it's it's uh, it, it, it. I don't think we'll ever see radio like it was back then. Uh, well, I mean, that's for sure. There's no no question about that. Now, uh, how far into your three years with Orbison were you thinking? You know what? I could do what he does. I could I could uh, headline. <laughs> well, I could be the front. Well, I tell you, man. I, I was in a, in the little band up there at Alabama uh, at, at Auburn University in Alabama when we got uh, hired by Roy, and so I had uh, we were. Trying to get a record deal, but uh, and I had actually signed a contract, and a guy was uh, the guy that signed me to a recording contract. I didn't hear from him for a year, and I figured that's the shortest career in history. I never, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even get him on the phone. And uh, about a year later, he found a song and brought me to New York and recorded me. And I was still with Roy at the time, and and I remember I sat down with Roy till about three in the morning over in England on the Beatles tour, and I said they want me to come over. When I get back to the states, they want me to start doing TV shows and all this, and I just don't know if I, if I'm ready for that or if I want to do it. And Roy said, "Why don't you, when we get back, why don't you give it a shot as a solo, see how you like it, and if you don't like it, you can always come back and play guitar for me." So I had nothing to lose. That's the kind of guy he was. So, uh, wow, it was you know I was just fortunate to be with a guy like that. So I, it, uh, I came back and I started doing the television and 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 uh, going out and doing concerts and decided I'd stick with it. You know, he took a lot of pressure off of you by doing that. He you know, really did. Yeah. Now, what what kind of background did uh, Orbison have? What did he? Was he Texas? Yeah, Roy was from Texas, and uh, he had he had had uh, several big hits before we got with him. But uh, when uh, he just he was just a, an a incredible singer and uh, incredible talent. He and I started writing together, and we wrote one morning. We wrote three songs between nine o'clock in the morning and noon. We had already written three songs, and I'm. I was thinking this is going to be great, and Roy said, "You know how many songs we're going to write together?" And 
The next day he called and said that his publisher would not split publishing with my... I was writing for United Artists, and they would not... United Artists said, well, we'll split 50-50, and, and his publisher, which was Acuff Rose, said, no, they either... that we get all the publishing or they can't write together, which was... You look back now, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, because there's no telling how many songs we could have written together, but uh, mm. we ended up not being able to write together anymore. Let's let's go back a little further. Uh, let's go back to where you were born and where you grew up. Well, I was born in Mariana, Florida, which is in northwest Florida in the Panhandle area. And uh, I, I, grew, I lived there until I was 14 years old, and we moved into Alabama, which was only about 35 miles away to Dothan, Alabama. And that's when I actually got a, my first guitar when I was in like a senior in high school. And uh, and I went. I was in this little band that we, we had started, and... Uh, so when I went to Auburn University for two years, we were playing all the college fraternities and sororities all around the Southeastern Conference, different different colleges, and uh, we were making really good money for the time. And uh, I thought, boy, this is a heck of a way to make a living. You get up and sing, and they pay you money. Yeah. <laughs> so I never dreamed that it would it would come to what it has come to. But uh, that's I I thought this is a heck of a lot better than than studying all day and, and uh, getting a job doing something I really don't want to do. So that uh, I was just, like I said, I was very fortunate that the second my second year up there that uh, Orbison came along and I went on the road with him. Did you spend any time doing the, the talent shows, uh, you know, early? I mean, what was your first time on stage? Did you Were you in plays? Were you in <laughs> things first, like that? I ended up, uh, we played a little place, and uh, I was in Dothan, Alabama. I was in a, uh, like I said, I was a senior in high school, and I had, started getting with these guys that, that had a band and I would go over and sit in with them and uh I play by ear. I I still can't read music to this day. So I but I could hear something and I could play the chords. I knew what they were and uh they couldn't figure out the chords so they thought I was some kind of musical genius and I was, and I was thinking these guys are a lot better than I am. They can actually read music so we just kinda hit it off and finally one day after about two weeks of, of of work playing with them that after school they called one day and said you want to make ten dollars Friday night and I thought ten bucks sure <laughs> that was big time money back yeah. then so I went out and sat in and uh, we did like four sets at this little club there in, in Dothan Alabama and uh, I, I made ten bucks and I said what a this is great so I we started I started playing regularly with them and uh, so by the time we got to to Auburn we were playing all the college fraternities and sororities and uh, we would play. An afternoon at one sorority, and that night we played a fraternity. The next day on a Friday, then we played. We'd do two shows on Saturday at different ones, and two shows on Sunday. So we were we were making good money and uh, having a ball. If you're just tuning in, Bobby Goldsboro is our very special guest, singer songwriter, Bobby Goldsboro. Now, Bobby, when you when you start talking about uh, you know the South and 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 Alabama, of course it's not it's not the ideal place that you uh, you would start out and, and, and hope to have a career. You, you know that people listening that uh, uh, that tried to make it and they just couldn't and they moved to either L.A. or they moved to New York to, uh, to try to make yeah. it are just cringing right now <laughs> in Auburn, Alabama, and that's where you got your <laughs> it's where you got your big break. But I mean, listen, you well, may- it, it just shows you that. Uh- I mean, it's 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 just uh, I don't know if it's fate or what it is, but I've like I said at the beginning of this interview, I've I've just been so fortunate to be at the right place at the right time because uh, had I they, they didn't even have cell phones back there when I was going to college, and, uh, and a guy walked up and said, "There's somebody, some booking agent is calling from Nashville and wants to talk to somebody in in a band. Are you in that band?" I said, "Well, yeah, I'll take the call." 
And that's how it happened. If I hadn't been standing there, we wouldn't have gotten the call, and I would have never met Orbison, and I may not even have a career now. So just a little uh, chance that happenings like that, that's, that's happened to me my whole career. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, Alabama is not the mecca for <laughs> for singers and, and uh, musicians, but uh, I guess you can be anywhere if, the, if, you're, if, the, if the circumstances are right. And because uh, yeah, I always thought once I started recording, I figured I had to be in New York, L.A., or Nashville to record. That's where all the studios were, and I ended up moving to Nashville, and also because Roy lived there. And uh, so I ended up living in Nashville for 19 years. You know, but, uh, you got to give you. I, I got my start in Alabama. Well, you got to give you give yourself a little credit too, though. I mean, something uh, made made it possible that you stayed on for for three years with him. I mean, you you must have had a pleasing personality. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you you played well. Um, you know, Roy Orbison, you know, probably ran into a lot of uh, a lot of young Bobby Goldsboro's uh, around the place that he didn't give permanent gigs to. So, I mean, you got to give yourself some credit there, too. Well, I I, uh, I I think the biggest thing was that we just hit it off. We, we were within a week. We were like brothers. And we all we did was laugh. We constantly laughed. And uh, Roy was a funny guy. And you never saw that on in concerts or on television because Roy was kind of uh you know he he wasn't very outgoing uh until until it was just the, the band and us on the on the back in the dressing room and he was just, he was hilarious and he had funny stories he was a very quick-witted guy and but he would go out and uh in public and uh, on on stage and on television and he would he was very quiet so a lot of people never saw that side of him but uh i think that's the biggest reason that i stayed with him to begin with was cause we laughed all the time, <laughs> and, uh, and it was we we just uh, he had loved the music, and I loved the music. So we we would just sit and play guitars and come up with stuff. All it would even when we traveled, we rarely traveled in buses. We he would fly somewhere, and and we would drive in a car and meet him there. And finally, he started having me fly with him. So he because he had, he was flying by himself, and and I'd never been on a plane till I got with Orbison. So we I started flying to the, all of the dates with him, and we were just like like brothers. And uh, he would. Uh, you know he would he would help me so much as far as uh, watching listen you know just learning the songs that he had hits with you know and there were a lot of different chord progressions that I had never played before so it I learned a lot on the guitar and I learned a lot of musically and uh, and the arrangements he had on his records all the the violin lines and things like that I was soaking up all of that stuff so I I learned so much from him uh, just just by being around him and, and listening to and, and watching him record and watching him write and uh, seeing him on stage. So it was a great learning experience for me. Bobby Goldsboro is our guest. If you're just tuning in, uh, hey Bobby, what about your folks? Uh, first of all, what was their what was their take on all of this? And and second of all, what was what were they like? What were they like growing up? My parents were were great. I just lost both of them uh, in the last couple of years, and uh, they had long uh, helped. Uh, really, they were. My father was almost 95, and my oh, mother boy. died at 93 last year. And, uh, and God bless. They were him. great people. They were florists, and uh, my father fought in World War II, and uh, they were just really good people. And uh, I think they raised me right. And uh, they, they, the only thing was when I, when I came back and told, uh, told my parents that I wanted to go on the road instead of going back to Auburn, <laughs> I wanted to go on the road with Roy Orbison, naturally my, my mother, whatever I wanted to do, she was all for it. But my father hit the ceiling, and he, he, didn't, he didn't want to hear about it. And I finally convinced him. I said, let me stay out of school for one year. And if nothing happens, then I'll go back to Auburn. I I didn't intend to ever go back, but <laughs> but he didn't know that. So I stayed. He, he agreed to let me stay out for one year and go on the road with Orbison, and uh, I never never went back. 
So now, and we're we're talking about uh, we're talking about Alabama here. Uh, Goldsboro is it is it a Jewish name? No, it's uh, it's actually English. English? Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's uh, it's an Eng- it's English, and I think there's some I don't know there might be some German in there somewhere. It's uh, but it's mainly an English name. Now, how many? I, I've pe- had I've had a lot of people named Goldsboro that did uh, did the trace the the roots and all of that and sent me all the the uh, papers on it. Uh, this was like thirty years ago. Somebody did it and uh, found out that there was a I'm related to some duke. Over in England from the yeah. 1700s or something. The royalty. I'm speaking. We're speaking yeah, the royalty, a everyone. Royalty Bobby Goldsboro. But <laughs> I, listen, let me tell you. I, I was, uh, you know, I was just about to ask you. I mean, it's a, it's a uh, heck of a time to uh, grow up down in Alabama. And I was going to say, uh, you know, if you were Jewish, or if you're African American, certainly a different. Uh, it's it's a, a different type of reality than if uh, than if you weren't. Um, but uh, again. It, did you did you feel any of that? You were in school at the. Uh... Well, you know what? It was every the all the integration took place right after I left, and I was never a part of all of that. But when I the great thing that's one thing one of the things about music. When I first went out, started going on tour as a solo artist, I toured with. Uh, I mean, I don't know why, but most of the bus tours I did, uh, three of every four acts were black on there, and yeah. I was. You know, I was here. We were playing. I, I was uh, played the Brooklyn Fox for two weeks, and uh, I think it was uh, uh, the group that had uh, Louie Louie, the Kingsman. They were on the right. show, and me, and I think everybody else was black on the show. Dion Warwick, Chuck Jackson, uh, tons of acts on there. The Times, uh, so many great groups, and we're in the Brooklyn Fox, and uh, the audience was like ninety percent black, and I was out, and and I. Everything would. I mean, I was. I was. It to me. It was. It, there was no difference. I don't. I just. I got to know all these guys so so well, and I would tour on the on the buses uh, for so much. So so uh, for so long, and I think that's what music does. Music brings people together uh, quicker than anything. There's no question. But you were in that. You know, right in the the heart of uh, heart of Dixie, and and actually George Wallace. Right. That was your 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 governor at the time. I imagine. That's exactly right. Uh, it was. It was, uh, you know, the thing is, I I was so much into the music at the time that a lot of things that went on in the world, I was not even aware of them. I, mean, I should have been, but I was so focused on the music and on the, on writing and touring and uh, recording, and uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I just, I, a lot of a lot of things like that just just went by me for some reason. I was I was. Uh, well, you were I was focused. Right in the middle of it, but didn't right. know it. Yeah, you you were focused, uh, you know, on what you wanted to get done, and and you may not have, if you've thought about everything too much, at the time and the war and everything, you might not have been laughing on that, That's on true. that bus and on, on those plane rides with him, and it might not have led to three years. So, uh, whatever you did, it it worked out uh, perfectly for you. We have about two minutes left in the segment. Do we have you for another segment, or are you on the run? I can, as long as the light, we've, I've got a storm going on here, but as long as the lightning doesn't hit here, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. So, Bobby, we've got about a minute and a half in this segment. Uh, what, about, what about now? I, actually, let me ask you about your, your children's series, 1995. Okay. Uh, is, it a, is, is this right? It's a 52-part children's series? It's a 52-episode, half, 52 half-hour episodes. I wrote, it took me about, actually, probably eight years to complete the project because I I started out. I was going to do a, a, a just a special, a TV special. And I, the more when I started writing it, I said I, I had all these all these characters developing. I said this would be easy to turn into a series. And I went to PBS. They loved the idea, and I ended up 
doing uh, over the next eight years. I wrote, wrote and recorded uh, and produced 52 half-hour episodes. I uh, wrote over 100 songs for the series. I played all the instruments and did all the voices, so that's why it took so long to do. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a project. I mean, that's it, was a, a, it was something I would never undertake again, and, but I, I'm so glad I did it because I, I, it taught me a lot, and I, I, uh, hopefully it's a, something that's going to be it's on, we're on Dish Network now. We've been on PBS, the Learning Channel, all over. We're all over the world with the show and uh, have products out there and uh, DVDs and dolls and things, storybooks and things. So it's been a, it's been a, a, I mean, it's something I never dreamed would happen with that series. We're coming right up on our break. Uh, if you're just tuning in, Bobby Goldsboro is our is our special guest, and he's had you know a hell of a life and a hell of a career. And when we come back after the break, we'll hear more of it. And 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 by the way, royalty—I didn't know that—but royalty, <laughs> royalty, and Bobby Goldsboro. And if his phone holds up, we'll be talking to him right after the break, and we'll be back with Bobby Goldsboro right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. Welcome back. We're breaking it down with Bobby Goldsboro, singer songwriter Bobby Goldsboro, and also the creator, the creator of a 52 part uh, children's series. Hey, uh, what is the name of it? The Swamp Critters of Lost Lagoon. And uh, it's a, the Swamp Critters are a, are a band. I had these outfits built and, and these. Uh, these heads, animatronic heads built, designed so that I could control the mouth movements on each character. And then I would do record the voice, and I would go and put that signal on the tape and use a joystick to make the mouth move. And I could, I programmed every every head on every show. And then I would, we had actors in the in the costumes, and I could put one of the like we had a the alligator Big Al plays piano, and it's his club they play every night, his cafe. And uh, Ribbit E. Lee is a big frog. And he was the drummer, and he's also a riverboat captain. So they'd have adventures on his riverboat and all during the day, and things would happen. And then at night, they'd end up playing at the at the club. And uh, so I would have to program all these heads. And not, once I put them on the actor, when the act the actors just had to learn where to learn, where to look and where, how, where to move to. But the mouth automatically moved because it was already on the tape when I when I recorded it and and, and uh, programmed it. So it was. Like if somebody was sick, I could put the head on an, on another actor, and as long as he knew where to go, and I could holler out the directions, he could the mouth's going to move, and all the singing and all the dialogue and everything was already on there. So it was a it was a very involved process, and I never dreamed it was going to take me as long as it did to do it. But I wanted to do it right, and uh, we ended up doing fifty two half hour episodes. Uh, do you have kids? Yeah, I've got three kids that are they're all grown now, but uh, they're. What's grown? Uh, what? Who's they, your oldest they, kid? They kind of they kind of inspired me a lot of these things that all the stories that I wrote were inspired by my kids. Well, how old are your kids now? Oh gosh, my son is forty eight. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. When Talk I'm about cringing. <laughs> I'm I'm forty seven. My God, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. so forty eight. I just turned, turned seventy three uh, in January. You got to be kidding. No, I'm. Uh, it, I. I until somebody reminds me, though, I keep thinking I'm like 40 years old. I don't know. <laughs> you, you do realize, and listen, I say this all the time, and maybe because I'm 47, uh, but uh, 73 is not old anymore. People are living well, well I, into 100. I hope it's not. I've, I've got, I think i got good genes. My parents, like I said, lived into their mid-90s, and uh, hopefully I'll do the same. Uh, we're, my wife, uh, she keeps me healthy, and she's uh, we, we eat healthy, and we exercise, and we're... Uh, we rarely go out when we're home. We we stay home. I'm painting because I'm oil painting now, and I've been oil painting for eight years, and I I, I just absolutely love it. So, 
when we're home, I, I'm painting, and then we head out on the road to go con- concerts or travel, and uh, we we stay pretty healthy. What What do you do with your paintings? I'm sorry. What do you do with your paintings? You sell them? You donate oh, them? Oh yeah, I, I started painting eight years ago, and I'm in galleries all around the country, and uh, I've done twenty. 22 or 23 one-man art shows now, and uh, I do commissioned art, commissioned pieces. I have a, on my website, just bobbygoldsberg.com, you can see all the artwork. I've got over 100 paintings on there, and uh, 80, 80 something of have already sold of the 100 that I've done uh, of the originals, and uh, I've done commissioned paintings. I just did a, 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 I met a, a guy up in Nashville back in January who uh, he had, I had my iPad with with me and uh they were passing the ipad around looking at all my artwork at this house and he called me a couple of days later and said i've been looking for for somebody to paint this leopard that i photographed over 20 years ago in south africa and i think you're the man to do it so he commissioned me to paint it and i just we just took it up to him uh oh, about two months ago in nashville and he just absolutely loved it i, I love doing i'd never painted a leopard before so that was that was fun i love painting things that i'd never done before yeah, as, as long as you weren't, uh, he was he, he was fed, he was fed properly before you saw him. I mean, were you, uh, how close to him were you? I'm sorry, how I'm close, close to the leopard were you? Well, he he photographed the leopard. Oh, in, oh uh, I got you. Okay, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't live. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Ago, but he, was, he was probably uh, 50 yards from the leopard, and he had a telephoto lens with him, and it was a great close-up shot of the of this leopard looking okay. over, over right. it. He was looking at the prey, and... Uh, so when he had that photograph, he had it for 20 years. He said, "I've been waiting for the right guy to paint it." So he got me to paint it, and I loved it. So I've, I, I've, but I paint. I waited so long. I've been thinking about painting for over 30 years, and I never would try it because I said I want to. I'm going to wait till I have the time to devote to it because I think I would enjoy doing this. So I waited till I, I would. I would go to museums and art galleries. My wife and I, after I do a concert, for instance, we'd stay over and I'd go to a con- to a museum or an or art gallery. I'd look at the artwork and I'd say, one of these days I'm going to try that. I'm going to try oil painting. And I kept saying this year after year. Finally, she said, you keep telling me you're going to oil paint. When are you going to do it? I said, when I turn 65, I'll start painting. And the day I turned 65 is when I started painting. That was eight years ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, who started late? Um uh, well, Grandma uh, Moses, Gra- uh, right? Grandma, yeah, Grandma Moses was later in life. Uh, a lot of people wait to, you know, have started another career and uh, late in life. And that's uh, now that I've got the time to devote to it. I just absolutely love it. I'm I'm out painting out every day, and uh, I I just I paint. That's why I don't paint. When, when you go to the website, you see the artwork. You'll see what I'm talking about. I paint everything. I do landscapes, portraits, uh, still lifes. Uh, Birds, hummingbirds, and, and butterflies, and flowers, and uh, anything you can think of. And uh, I've, I've painted, uh, I've done commission where I, there's a friend of ours that lives about an hour away that raises alpacas, and she had a world champion alpaca, and she had me do a, a huge painting of the alpaca. I did, I'd never painted an alpaca before. I did, a, I did a bison for a art show, a gallery. I was in, a, I'm in a gallery, May Gallery, out in uh, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And I went out for an art show there, and I painted a, a bison, a huge bison painting, mm. and that sold like five minutes after the art show opened. And uh, so it was. These are the things that I I love to do, and and I love art shows because I can stand there and and talk to the people that come and look at the artwork and and talk about anything. And a lot of times at concerts, you don't have time to talk to everybody after the concert. So I love these art shows, and it's uh I don't have to worry about sound checks and uh, amps going out or something like that. So. Yeah. Well, you've been there, done that. Bobby Goldsboro, by the way, is our guest. If all of you are just tuning in, or if any of you are just tuning in, Bobby Goldsboro's had 
uh, and having one hell of a career, that's for sure. Now it's uh, now it's a little bit of painting, or a lot of a lot of painting, I should say. Uh, let's talk about that time in your in your life, and I guess it was right when Honey came out, right? I mean, that just took off, and that was mm-hmm. that was where you were in all the teen magazines and everything from there. Am I right, or was it before right. that? Well, that was the thing is, I had from sixty four to sixty eight, I had had quite a few hits, but I'd also had, you know, I'd have a big hit, and then the next one would do so-so, and the next one, then I'd have another hit. But they were still, they were pretty much the, what you call a teeny bopper hit. You know, they were they were a big hit, and then there were, people forget about them a few months later. Well, Honey was the kind of song that reached a whole different audience, and it was the kind of uh, song that, all of a sudden, I started getting offers to do the Mike Douglas show, the Tonight Show, uh, Merv Griffin, Dinah Shore, all the talk shows, and I had never done these things before, so it was like a whole new career opened up for me because of Honey, because it was the kind of song that reached that whole different audience. And uh, so it was like, uh, it, it was the, the by far the most important song I ever recorded. Uh, not None of them are even close because it did so much for my career. Now, did you did you know it as, as soon as it was laid down? Did you say, hey, this is there's something different about this tune? What, we what? knew it from the, we, when we, as soon as we recorded it, because back then uh, we, we everybody records together. You don't. You didn't, we didn't cut the rhythm track and then bring in the violins and then bring in the horns and then bring in the voices. We everybody would be, it was in the studio at once. That's the way you did it back then. And after the first take, we went into the control room to listen to the playback. And a lot of the the string players, the violinists, got up and came in to listen to the playback. And they norm they never do that. They're sitting out there and and they're getting ready for the next take or whatever. Or, and uh, but all everybody came into the control room and listened to the playback. And when, when it was over, everybody said, that's, that's a number one record. And uh, so we said, well, let's go take it, do another take, do it better. We went back, and, and it sounded exactly like it did the first one. We ended up using the first take. And that was, it was one of, one of those magical times that you say, I, I, you know, I never dreamed this was going to happen. But we knew we had a hit. We, didn't, we never dreamed it was going to be as big as it was, but we knew we had a, a hit record. Five weeks, right? Did I read somewhere five weeks? It was number one. Yeah, and it's um, and at the time, I mean, there were there was uh, I think we ended up uh, knocking out uh, I think the box tops had uh, the letter. I think that was the number one, and we knocked it, and we kept uh, Aretha Franklin had a had a a huge record the week. There were like a young girl by the Union Gap, and there was one other one that was uh, also that didn't go to number one because of honey and it was uh it was there were just some incredible records out at that time but it was um it went to number one i think it took four only four weeks after it was out it was already number one now when did the when did the teen magazine start because i mean that adds so much to the uh, i guess you know mystique or or whatever where they that's where the young girls you know start buying your records and everything yeah. that you put out. When did that start for you? Well, all of that was pretty much in the late sixties, early seventies, and then when I when I had my TV show in the mid seventies, from seventy three, seventy four, and seventy five, is when a lot of that was going too. Because because uh, when you're on TV, every we were on TV every day for for uh, three years because we were we did we did uh, we were on for fifty two weeks and then they re ran them for 52 i mean for 26 weeks and then when they re ran them for 26 weeks so we were on 52 weeks a year for uh 52 weeks a year for three years and mm. so when you get that much exposure national exposure plus the tonight shows and the all that there were so many talk shows uh like i said merv griffin dinah Shore, david frost uh dick cavett all these shows and uh 
I did them regularly, and it was they were fun to do because it's like I said, as you can tell, it's hard to shut me up once <laughs> once I start talking. So those shows were fun to do, and I think uh, all that national exposure just just added to it. Bobby Goldsboro is our very special guest, singer, songwriter, uh, a little bit of everything, and now artist. Uh, how much acting did you do, Bobby? You 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 appeared on some things, right? No, well, I I just I did very little because I always. I don't know. Everybody automatically thought, well, if you're a singer, you're going to get into acting. But I, I always said from the, the beginning, I said, I'm 5'8". I'm about, I was, I'm about 150 pounds now. I was probably 140 at the time. I said, there aren't that many roles. Uh, I can't be a leading man. I can't be a rough, tough cop. I, I said, what am I going to do? So I, and I, and I loved the music so much and I never was enamored with the acting thing. I never got the acting bug. So I said, you know, I I would rather I would rather stick to what I what I feel I can do best, and that's so I I I didn't really get into the acting thing. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think of like your handlers and who they were thinking about when they thought about you. Were they thinking Frankie Avalon? Were they thinking Fabian? What what were they thinking? What was their what were they trying to make you? Bobby Goldsboro was going to be the next what? Who? You're talking about the record companies? Yeah. Well, I I think. Well, it's funny how record companies were at the time, and maybe they still are. But I, I had had songs like I had hit had hits like "Little Things," "It's Too Late," "Voodoo Woman." These were all up tempo hits, you know, rock and roll records. And when "Honey" hit, they didn't want me to record anything but ballads. I mean, I would go in and I'd, I'd have an album that might have ten up tempo songs, and they would pick one of the ballads to release as a single. You know, it's just like that's what they, they would say. That's what the people want to hear you. Here you do, and I said, "Well, they bought the other ones too, but they they would always go with the ballast. So they they were trying to keep you in a you know uh, on on that that path, I guess. That they want whatever was the big biz, biggest success. That's how they want to keep you on doing the same thing. And uh, I loved doing a little of everything. That was that was what I enjoyed. Now, how about your TV show? How did that come about? Well, the company that uh, approached me about the show, they were out of Nashville, but they. They said we wanted, we would like to do, uh, have you do a show, and we want to film it at CBS in Hollywood, and we've got everything. Uh, if you will do it, we don't. We've got. We're going to use the same crew that Sonny and Cher uh, used, and uh, so we ended up. We talked about it. I said I'll, I'll, I can do this. I'll do this if I don't have to be like an Ed Sullivan, a young Ed Sullivan, just bring on three or four acts of show. I said if we're we're going to do this and you got a half hour you only need one guest and i'd like to have the guest get to do a couple of songs and then i'd like to do something with the guest at the end of the show and they said that works that'll work great and i said and maybe it's a little bit of comedy a character on there or something that's all we need for 30 minutes that that'll go flying by so that's the way we came up with the show and we ended up we filmed for three years at cbs in hollywood and uh, we alternated with sunny and Cher. they would film monday wednesday and friday and we filmed tuesday thursday and saturday with the same crew and they just would roll their sets out and roll mine in. Well, three years is a nice run, actually. I mean, that's well, it was, and we had our, we had our. Actually, the ratings went up every year, and after the third year, we had our highest ratings. We were the highest rated uh, syndicated variety show on television. But I realized that after that third year, I had stopped writing. I wasn't uh, getting to do hardly anything because we were concentrating on the TV show and getting and preparing for the next season and finding the guests and what songs they were going to do and uh, and you know, the scripts and things like that. And, and it just really, as much as it, it was fun doing the, the actual taping of the show was fun, but all the preparation and all the weeks of uh, rehearsals and things like that, 
it just I, I really didn't enjoy that part of it, and I wasn't getting to write. And the things that I had that had gotten me there was the songwriting and the singing, and I wasn't getting to do hardly any of that. It was mainly concentrated on television. So I decided after three years, I said, I'd rather stop the show while we've got our highest ratings and wait till the show starts going down in the ratings. So I decided not to do it anymore after the third year. Bobby Goldsboro is our very special guest. We have about five minutes left with Bobby if his, uh, if his electricity holds out there or his uh, electric doesn't hit his, uh, hit his cell tower. Uh, he's in Florida. He's, uh, he's, he's been there a you know, very long time. Hey, Bobby, I, I don't want to get too personal, and, and, and you don't have to be specific, but how'd you do uh, with, with your money? A lot of guys, a lot of your contemporaries back then um, blew it. They got it. They got you know, sports cars. Well, they, uh, that's something that I, I think one of the few things that I might have been blessed with was just good logic and, and common sense, good common sense. And I I knew when I had my first hit, I said, everybody has a shelf life. Even Elvis, the Beatles, everybody's got a shelf life. You're only going to be out there for so long, and so you need to uh, prepare and and uh, and think about what's going to happen when the record stops selling or when you decide not to not to go out and perform anymore. So I thought about all this at a fairly at a young age for for the music business, and in my 20s, I was thinking about things like that already, and uh, so I invested i i tried to 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 take care of the money that i was making and uh so i i've got i've got no complaints i'll put it that way i'm, yeah. I'm well, that's uh, fantastic congratulations I'm not, a, I'm not i'm not donald trump by any means but i <laughs> yeah but that's not you, you don't have to be donald trump you know you don't have to be that you know what i mean you, you just yeah. uh, when you have your good years I, and i and i tell it to my kids i mean you got to treat yourself like a running back in football you know that's you right. need to blow it out at, uh, blow out at any time um, you know, just ask somebody who uh, I, I think you have a relationship with Burt Reynolds, right? For, uh, yeah, Burt's an old, an old friend. We we've got to be. We met on the Mike Douglas show in 1970, and we just became very very close friends over the years. And uh, in fact, he when he was doing Evening Shade back in the 90s on C- for CBS, he called me one day and uh, uh, said said Did you watch the the uh, People's Choice Awards last night? And I said, No, I wasn't nominated for anything. <laughs> he said, Well. Evening Shade won several awards, and they played a different song every time we came up because we don't have a theme song. He says, can you write a theme song? So I wrote the theme song for Evening Shade and flew out and recorded it, and that became the, the theme song for the next I flew out and did all the music for Evening Shade for the last two years. You did something on Gator, too, right, or, or White Lightning? Yeah, I wrote, he, he, he called me. He was filming uh, Gator with, with Jerry Reed, and he called me. They were, up in, uh, they were in Georgia, and he said, he said, I need a ballad i need a love song here at the end of this thing and i i you got to come up here and watch this thing and come and write me something so i blew up where they were filming and uh and i wrote a song called um for uh for a little while and it was uh became a very popular song out of the movie yeah it was a big movie i i mean at at that time uh burt reynolds could do no wrong i mean he oh, yeah. was uh he was just a superstar i mean absolute superstar um what how who's older you or burt Bert's about, uh, I think he's about six years older than me. Six years, yeah. Wow, jeez. I mean, he's boy, he's another guy. Both of you guys look great. And uh, well, thank you. Now, yeah, I, Bert, he's he's been a good friend, like I said, since since nineteen seventy. So, uh, we're it's uh, he's he's a good guy. We we have about two minutes left with Bobby Goldsboro, and you know, from the little bit of time we spent here, you know, I, I can tell you, you're, you're an optimist, right? Are you a lifelong I optimist? Am. I've always been that way. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell that. I mean, did you pass that on to the kids? Hopefully. <laughs> I'm, but the thing, you know, it's just like 
since I started painting, I feel like I'm 20 years old again. I, c- I can't wait to get up and come out and, and see what's going to happen on that. Because the canvas to me now is like the the guitar used to be or the recording studio used to be. I couldn't wait to get in and see what we could create. And now I'm doing that with the with the oil oil painting. And I just, that's why I, I, I lay there at night when my wife's gone to sleep and I'll lay there and I'll think, okay, if I use a certain brush tomorrow and I do this and, I, and I'm going to try this and that, I'm, I start creating in my head is the same way I used to write a song and uh, so I it's just I've just switched over from the from the music to the oil painting uh, do you get the the hankering every once in a while to uh, to do an album or to to write do you, well, I, do I you write? think about it but uh, you know the main thing is that you know if you do something you got to get airplay or, or nobody's going to know about it and uh, I know there's a lot of things you can do with the with the uh, internet now but I I'm I'm so into the artwork and I've got several people waiting for paintings and it, and that's a good thing and uh, those are guarantees you know and uh, and I'm and I'm enjoying it so much that I'm I've uh, I've been I still have my studio my recording studio here but I've turned it into my art studio so I have both here and I occasionally come in here and and uh, try some things with the music so I've I've got some things I've put away I've got several things recorded now and uh, so I'm I'm getting around to an album but I've but it's it's slow. It's a slow process because I'm concentrating on the oil painting. Well, listen, if you're enjoying it, if you're enjoying what you're doing, I mean, God bless you. I mean, you, you can't you can't do any better than that. If you could find something that you love to do at 73 years old and, and be excited well, about you, getting up. It's just like my my wife and I have been going. We go to Europe uh, once or twice a year now. And we go over and we went, went over to, to Italy and spent some time last year. And I took photos left and right. And I came back. I've already done three paintings from there and they've all sold and i and i i, I this is the kind of thing that i i, I say who could have a better life than i've got <laughs> and i mean that i i, I don't think any, there's anybody on earth that's any happier than i am right now I, I mean there's people all over the world with a lot more than i've got but they're not any happier than i've got uh, than, I, than i am because uh, I've, I've i've got the things that i uh, that I've always dreamed about. My wife and I have a have a great life together. We we've we've been married thirty years and never spent a night apart. Bobby Goldsboro just has been a, a, a great guest here, and I, I'm thrilled for you. I mean, it just sounds uh, it sounds like everything just worked out beautifully for you. Quick, give the website. We're out of time. www.bobbygoldsboro.com. Bobby Goldsboro has been our guest. Bobby, thank you very much. My pleasure. <laughs>